0: Turn to 1 Peter. First Peter. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, hopefully maybe someone sitting next to you has one. Just really would love for you to read along and follow along with the verses in your Bible as we study 1 Peter this morning. Okay? While you're doing that, let me actually formally introduce myself to you. My name is Charlie Carter, and uh, I've been coming to camp so long... That when I was a camper for the first time, Greg, the program guy, Greg, that's been up here on stage, who did get the t-shirt yesterday, that guy, he was a contender when I came to camp. My first year at camp, Greg was the one who was getting babies and brooms thrown at him. Okay? So I've been coming to camp for a long time, and I love this place. The first time that I came to camp, I sat with my cabin, like right over here somewhere, And I didn't even know Bible camp existed, okay? I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up reading the Bible or knowing who Jesus Christ was. And I had no clue that you could come to Bible camp for a week and have so much fun and learn about Jesus. I had no idea that that was a thing that people did. And I was sitting right over here and I can still remember the first chapel I sat in and God changed my life right there. And uh, the whole path of my life changed because I came to camp and God used His Word to show me what was true and change my life through His Word. So I'm just excited to get to open God's Word with you, along with Jason. And we really want you to spend time in the Word this week so that God can change your life through the Word. There's really nothing special about Jason and I. I mean, one of us is smarter and better looking. And then I'm Charlie, and so he's the smarter, better-looking one, and then there's me. Uh, There's nothing special about us, but there is something really special about God's Word. And so I just really want to encourage you in these chapels, bring your Bible, read it, think about what we're saying. Don't just imagine what's going to happen in the game in an hour or two. Don't just think about the jumbo dog or the jet ski, Be engaged in the Word of God in chapel, and it will change your life, okay? So, what we're gonna do in these morning chapels, you know the theme, it's behind me. Life, it's more than a game. It's more than a game. I'm so happy they're doing a theme that's board games. A lot of times it's like giants and knights, and, you know, all this like big, strong, run around, you know, athletic type of a thing, and, you know, Board game is kind of like, let's sit down at the table and see who's the best at strategy. You know, that's kind of more my speed. And I've been waiting years for board games at camp, man. That's a great theme. Now, the whole point is that life is not a game, right? That it's more than a game. It's not just the game where you're playing and there's much more to it than that. But what I want to do, I actually want to use that illustration of a game to answer some questions in the morning chapels, okay? So when I play a board game, do you wanna know what I'm most concerned with? When I play a board game, there's one thing I wanna know. Take a guess. How do you win? That's exactly right. If I'm playing Settlers of Catan, I wanna know how many victory points I need to get. If I'm playing Life or Monopoly, how do I get more money than you and crush your soul, okay? I wanna know. How to win that game? Now I know life is not a game, but there is a way that you can live life. God tells us there's a way to live life where you will win. You will win if you live life God's ways, and that doesn't mean that you get the most money or you're the most successful or you know the the skit we saw that you have the most or the right amount of children. That's not the point but that you will have a life filled with joy as you serve the creator of the universe. And you can live a life where you will have abundant, overflowing, as we saw from John or what we're going to see in Peter, inexpressible joy. There are ways to live your life so that you can win. And so in these morning chapels we're going to ask, you know, how do I win the game? And in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2, we're going to look each morning at another way Peter tells us to win the game, okay? How do you win the game? And what we're going to look at this morning, if you're in your booklets, we win by being born again, by being born again. You can see that on the page there. And I want to make sure you get the blanks on your sheet. When I sit in chapel or when I sat in chapel, it would always frustrate me when a chapel speaker didn't tell me what went in those blanks on the sheet. So I'm going to tell you right now what the blanks are on that page. It's page six. We win the game by being born again. Number one, Christ's resurrection. And I already know that that word resurrection is way too big to fit in that tiny little blank. I'm sorry about that. If you're OCD like me, you're trying to write really tiny and get in there. Christ's resurrection provides the means of our new spiritual life. And then number two, genuine faith in Christ is the source of inexpressible joy. That's the blank, inexpressible joy. So what we're going to talk about this morning is being born again, okay? We win the game when we are born again, and I think that that will be very clear as we read through and study verses 1 through 9. So let's start, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5, okay? So if you have a copy, read along silently, follow along as I read it out loud, okay? And actually, we're going to start in verse 3, not verse 1, verse 3. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So go back to verse 3 again. Let's just work our way down through these first five verses. He says, blessed be God. It's like praise, worship God. Okay, and the question that you should be thinking is, why? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why, Peter? Why should I praise God? It's because of what he has done at the end of the verse. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God has given us what we do not deserve. That is what mercy means. According to his merciful character, where he will give us what we don't deserve, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through Jesus Christ. Now, what does it mean to be born again? This is a word or a phrase that's thrown around sometimes in church, at camp. What does it mean? You, there's some synonyms for it. If you've ever heard someone say, I got saved, or salvation, that's same idea. It's that we, as humans, who are born spiritually dead, without a relationship with God, completely separate from God. He, God, comes down and makes us alive. He gives us new life. We were dead in sin. Ephesians 2 says this. We were dead in sin, but God made us alive. He brings life where there was not life. In our soul that is cursed by sin and separate from him, He restores and renews and breathes new life in our soul. He gives us spiritual and eternal life. We praise God because he gives us that through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, it's very clear that what makes this possible, our spiritual life, us being brought to new life again, being born again, is Jesus dying on the cross. Don't miss what it says there. According to his great mercy, he, God, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, Christ's resurrection is a perfect picture of what happens to us, okay? Christ died and he's buried, right? There's death. Usually dead people stay dead, right? Jason said last night, all these other religions, do they have people that they worship who have died and rose again? No. Jesus, who's a man, died on the cross. He's put in a tomb. They sealed it with a rock. And three days later, just as the scriptures predicted, he rose from the dead, dead to life. Now that is a proof to us that he is who he says he is. Jesus dying and raising again is proof that he is God and has the power to defeat and forgive sin. That's a proof to all of us that if we want to trust him, he is trustworthy because he's the one who has risen from the grave. It is through his death where he died for your sin and his resurrection where he has conquered death through that death, burial, and resurrection that he offers new life to each one of us. And if we will trust him, he will cause us to be born again. We will have new spiritual life. Now, it's really hard to understand what this is like. It's hard to picture death to life. You know, if you go and Google like dead things that come back to life, you know what you're going to get? zombies, okay? And we don't want to talk about zombies in chapel, but I do have a story that kind of gets us to think about this. So one of the things that I love to do is hunt. Okay, anyone in here, hunters, hunters? Okay, there's some hands out there. Very good. So one of the things I like to do in the fall is I like to climb up really high in a tree and I have a bow and an arrow. Some of you are going to shoot archery this week. And I like to climb up there and I wait for the deer to come by and I like to kill them and eat them. And I know some of you are like, the precious poor deer. Yeah, I know. They get over it. So there was one time, there was one time I was up in the tree, deer came by, and the perfect shot for an archer is quartered away. Like the deer is facing away from you, kind of at an angle, so you can slip that arrow right in behind their shoulder, right where their vitals are. And I made the shot on this deer, and that deer, like it took like five steps flopped over. Now, I don't want to gross you out. I saw an adequate amount of blood that would indicate to me he's dead. Great job. I called my brother on my cell phone. Hey, Mike, what's up? I got one. Throw it in the car. I'll be home in an hour. And if you're ever wondering, yes, a deer will fit in the back seat of Chevy Impala. Okay. Now, I thought this deer was dead. It had fallen down. There's... Blood, sorry if you're not into this, okay. And I, I got down out of the tree and I'm walking over to the deer and I, the deer is down on all fours land sideways. It looks really dead. And I got about five feet from the deer and I'm not kidding you, it stood up on its just, just the front legs, like pushed itself up and like turned its head and looked at me. It was like, did you do this? Now, it, <laughs> it didn't actually say that. That was my interpretation of the eye contact. Like, did you do this? And it wasn't dead. But to me, I'm like, dude, that thing died and came back to life. It was motionless. It was on the ground. It's not moving at all. It's, it's done. It was back to life. And we had a nice theological discussion, and he let me take him home. So, <laughs> but that's what being born again is like. Now, it's not a perfect picture. To me, that deer was completely dead. And then, boom, it's, it's up. It's alive. It's alive realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you paid for your sin so that he could offer you new spiritual life he wants to bring you from death to life he's done that for you and if you will turn from your sin and trust Jesus as savior you do that just like that deer Jesus and God causes you to be born again he brings new life into a soul that is completely dead And now you have a connection to God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, if you are born again. Let me tell you, young people, once you have that life, you win. If you have that life, if you were dead spiritually on your way to eternal destruction, and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, and you are born again, you have life in you that is eternal and can never be taken away from you. You have won the game. That is 10 victory points. That is all the money Monopoly has to offer. You have won the game if you are born again. Man, none of you are excited about that. Okay, well, I guess we should be done. (laughs) You realize that without Christ, we are destined to eternal punishment in hell. As sinners, we're completely separate from God. Not one of us in this room was born a good person. The Bible says, none are righteous, no, not one. If it was left to us, we would be eternally judged and punished because we're sinners. But God, who loved you more than you can ever imagine, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual life. He wants you to be born again. He wants you to win the game. And he'll give it to you if you will recognize your sin Turn from your sin to Christ your Savior and place your faith in him. And by the way, that's what we call the gospel. The good news is that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He was buried, but he rose again and will give you eternal life if you will believe in him. You don't have to earn anything. Jesus earned it for you. All you have to do is trust him and you will be brought from death to life and you wanna know how to win the game, be born again. Peter doesn't stop there, though. He actually tells us a whole bunch of things that we get in conjunction with being born again. So once you're born again, what do you get? It's not like we just sit down and wait until we go to heaven someday. Jason said this last night, your life now can be awesome. God has died for you and gives you new life so that your life right now can be filled with joy. Now, let's look at these verses again. I want you to notice verse four again. Okay, look look at verse four again. You're born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So yes, there is something that you will get someday. Someday when you inherit heaven, As a son, a child of God, you have an inheritance in heaven. And notice how it's described, imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Imperishable means it will never spoil or decay. You know, if you go to the store and buy some food and set it on your counter and leave it there, what happens to it? If you don't eat it, it goes bad. I had a roommate this past year I could name his name. He was a contender, but I'll, I just won't name his name. He bought a sack of potatoes. And then he got married a month ago and moved out. You know who didn't know about the potatoes? Me. And I noticed every time I'd walk into my kitchen, I would smell something. And I eventually found a very disgusting bag of what used to be potatoes. Potatoes. You realize that everything on this earth is like that. Under the curse of sin, the things on this earth get destroyed, they decay, there's disease. When you get to heaven someday, that's not what it's like. Because you're born again, you have eternal life, what you inherit in heaven is perfect and it will stay perfect forever. That's pretty amazing. Now let's keep reading. Verse 6 is where I want to pick it up. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's talking about here at the beginning of verse 6, in this you rejoice, he's saying you have joy in the fact that you are born again and have an incorruptible inheritance. Your source of joy is not something here on this earth. Your source of joy is something that is being kept for you that is imperishable, cannot be touched in heaven. Now, Jason, I'm so glad he talked about this last night, the difference between joy and happiness, okay? There are things in life that make us really happy, but the moment they are gone or the circumstance changes, we're no longer happy. Can you think of something in your mind like, oh yeah, if that happened, I'd be really happy, or when that is taken away from me, I'm really sad. There are circumstances that change and our emotions fluctuate with them. Joy is like happiness, It's actually expressed in very similar ways, but the difference is the source. Happiness draws from the circumstance. There's a very earthly happiness that you can get from earthly things happening. Joy has its source in something that's not physical. It transcends your circumstances so that you can actually be joyful when bad things happen. Did you catch that there in verse six? In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while, if it's necessary, you've been grieved with trial. These believers still have their salvation. They're still born again, even though bad things are happening. And because of that, they, that they have salvation kept in heaven, an inheritance that's imperishable, they're still joyful even though bad things are happening to them. As a Christian, you have a source of joy that can never be taken from you. We sang a song last night, Christ, the sure and steady anchor. You are tied to that anchor and it does not move because of things happening in your life on earth. He doesn't change ever, his word to you is 100% faithful. If he saves you, if he causes you to be born again, that's never going away. Even if you're a janitor, married to a teacher with a thousand babies, which, you know, maybe not the most preferable life. But if you're saved, if you're born again, no one can ever take that from you. What you have in Christ is the ultimate source of joy. Now, look at verse 8. This is where Peter, I think, tries to express what this is like. He tries to describe this, and he actually says he cannot describe it. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Speaking of Jesus... How weird is that, that you have a relationship with someone you've never met? None of you have ever seen Jesus face to face. You haven't audibly spoken with him. You know, your friendship, your relationship with Jesus isn't because you both like basketball or you went to the same school. You've never seen the guy. But if you recognize what he's done for you, you love him. Having not seen him, you love him. He keeps going. Though you do not now see him, verse eight, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Think about being so happy, you cannot express it. A joy that is truly overflowing. You don't even have words to express it. And a joy that is so full and cannot be taken away from you. That is having a relationship with Jesus Christ and living to serve him. Those people, Christians, or just anyone who think that believing Christ is boring, I don't think get it. Peter realizes that he has something in heaven that can never be taken from him. He's been given spiritual life from the creator of the universe. And he says, guess what? I've never even seen the dude, but I love him. I know I'm gonna see him someday. But right now, without even meeting him yet, I have joy that I cannot express to you because my soul has been paid for by the blood of Christ and I have an inheritance in heaven that can never be taken away from me. If you have that today, you should have inexpressible joy no matter what's happening in your life. That doesn't mean that pain doesn't exist. You think about the most painful thing you've ever gone through. For me, it was when my dad died. My dad was my best friend. And he's a believer. I know I'm going to see him again. He's in heaven right now. That was really hard. I had joy on the worst day of my life because of Christ. When my dad died, it's actually, I wasn't at the hospital. He told my mom before he went into the operating room, hey, if I don't come out of the room, I'm going to go and see Jesus. It's totally fine. And he was just, he's just loving life. He had no idea he wasn't going to wake up. And I knew that too. Didn't matter what was happening here on earth. Yeah, he died. He's not dead. He's alive. He was born again. He has an inheritance right now that he's living in in heaven with Christ. And nothing can ever take that away from him. Can't take it away from me either. That was really painful, but you know what I had? I had joy because I was anchored to Christ in the gospel. And you can have that too. Now, I want you to think about the last time you were really happy. Like, what's the happiest moment you've had recently? And I was trying to think about this too. And uh, I know we've joked so far yesterday that a couple of us are Iowa Hawkeye fans. I'm sorry if you're not an Iowa Hawkeye fan, but I'm going to talk about Iowa Hawkeyes right now. So please don't tune me out, you know. So there was a really big football game last fall. Two top five football teams, Iowa and Penn State were playing. And I had the opportunity to go to that game. Being in Kinnick Stadium, and if you don't know, that is where Iowa plays football games, Kinnick Stadium. Being in that stadium for that game, it's the loudest crowd I've ever heard in my life. There was one sequence where the crowd caused, I think it was three or four false start penalties on Penn State in a row because they couldn't hear the, the quarterback trying to clap his hands to snap the ball. It was that loud. There was a lady I'd never met in my life sitting next to me. We became best friends that day, okay? And it's because, like, Iowa did end up winning that game. It was so loud in there, I turned to her and just tried to say something. She's right here. And you could not hear the words coming out of your own mouth. And, man, when Iowa scored the touchdown to go up, Everyone's screaming, we were so happy. Now, highest of highs. The next week, I went back to Kinnick Stadium. We played unranked Purdue, and we got, we got it handed to us. We're at top, I, the number three team in the nation, you got beat by an unranked Purdue team. Now, that is a perfect example of how when your source of happiness is temporal it can go away. I was so happy when Iowa beat Penn State because it happened. It was right there. And you know what? Easily taken away. The drive home the next week, I was not happy. Okay? Things like that, things in this life, are so short and temporary. They will not last. Even if your football team never lost another game for the rest of your life, next 80 years, you're probably an Alabama fan. But (laughs) even when you get to the end of your life and you die, what's it worth? It's now gone because you're gone. You don't want a source of happiness that's in this earth you want something that is going to be eternal, especially when difficult moments come. When pain happens in your life as a believer, you don't want, well, my football team beat the other football team. In that moment, you want something that cannot be taken from you, right? And there's only one way you get that. It's turning to Christ and letting him give you spiritual life as you believe in him to forgive your sins. That's it. He is the source of life. He is the source of joy that can never be taken away from you. It's not like a Hawkeye football game. It's much bigger than that. And so I want you to think about that. Do you really have a source of joy in Christ that you know can never be taken away from you. Many of you in this room probably already have trusted Christ as your Savior. You've heard this before, and that's great. You've believed, that's great. And you might even think, well, I don't think I have that joy that he's talking about or that Jason is talking about. We're going to talk about that throughout the rest of the week. You can actually live a life as a believer where you give up that joy by living a different type of life than God has designed. We're gonna talk about a few things later in the week about that. One of the biggest reasons why you might not have that joy is because you might not actually be born again. Now, I didn't grow up going to church, but I was a religious person. I thought I had it figured out. I thought I knew how I was getting to heaven and it was because I thought I was a good person I have a brother Michael and I compared myself to him I was like well I know I'm not the greatest dude but I'm better than him that's not how it works that's not how we get the joy of knowing Christ it's not something that I earn it's something that's given to you and so I'd really like you to think about that. Do you want to win the game? If you want to live a life where you are winning the game, you cannot win without being born again. And so I really want you to think about today, throughout the rest of the week, if all you got from coming to camp this year was you recognized that you were not born again, And then you turn and trust Christ and let Him save you, that is the most successful week you could have. If that's all you get this week, is, you know, I realized I wasn't born again and I wanted to be and I trusted Christ, that is absolutely what you want to do because you'll win the game. So I'm going to close in prayer here in a moment. Now, when I say that, I know you start like dialing down, but keep listening to me. I'm gonna pray out loud. And I'm gonna thank God for this because I have this. When I was 16 years old, I realized I wasn't born again. And I trusted Christ. My life's never been the same, okay? That might be you in this room. You've listened to who is Jesus last night. We learned how amazing he is. He's the resurrection and the life this morning we talk about how he gives us spiritual life when we trust him, when we, when we turn from our sin to him, and we're brought to death to, from death to life. As I pray out loud, I'm going to thank God for doing that in my life. If you can't recognize that he's done that in your life, you realize as I pray out loud, you can pray to Christ right now silently in your seat. You don't have to talk to anybody. You can turn to him and trust him and say, God, I want that. I want to be born again. I want to win the game. Now, if you pray that in your seat today, I would just ask, would you please talk to your counselor later? (laughs) Let them know that that's something you're thinking about. But I I would ask you, as I pray out loud, to think about that. And then if that applies to you, You can ask God for that. You can win the game right now. It's by turning to Christ and being born again. Okay? So I'm going to pray out loud. ask you to pray silently where you're sitting. And then after that, I have a couple of uh, comments and we'll dismiss you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much for giving me new life. God, through your son, Christ, and what he did on the cross, You saved me, and I will never deserve that, never earn it. God, you gave it to me as a gift, and I'm just thankful that you have caused me to be born again through the resurrection of your son. God, thank you for those people in my life that shared the gospel with me, and I'm just thankful that you opened my eyes to put my faith in you. And God, I'm pretty confident in a room of this many, There's probably one in here who's not born again. I don't know that. They might not even know that, but you do. And God, I just pray that this week, maybe not right now in this moment, but this week as Jason and I have times to open the word, God is in uh, counselor time and cabin time. All of these kids are doing devotions in your word. I pray that your spirit would be among us that your spirit would open the eyes of everyone here to help us see what we can't see on our own. Our need to trust you, our need to turn to you in faith. God, I pray that anyone who's not born again, that you would show them that this week and that they could make that decision to put their faith in you so that they can have this inexpressible joy. Father, thank you so much for letting us be at camp this week. I pray today that you'd bless our fellowship, keep us safe as we run around and play games. I pray that each one of us here would make friends that we have for a lifetime. And God, that decisions would be made in chapel time, in cabin devotion time, decisions would be made that would affect us for the rest of our life too. God, use your word through your spirit to change each of our hearts this week. Thank you again so much for that. We pray this in your son, Jesus' name, amen.